All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise International Church. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? That's right. You guys got ahead of me and share before I even ask. If we can please stand. I'm Pastor Berto, one of the pastors here on Staff at MPI Church. We're so thankful for you all for joining us this morning. We appreciate your presence here. We'd like to open up with a testimony. This morning we have our sister Yolanda. Let's give her a hand as she comes up. Hi, everybody. My name is Yolanda, and I've been coming to MPI for six months. Um, before being saved, um, I was dealing with severe depression, um, antidepressants, psychiatrists, counselors, you name it. Um, and uh, in late February, I was actually hospitalized because I, t I tried to take my life, and I spent four days in a psych ward. Um, and once I got out, I tried to fill that void um, of brokenness with alcohol. Um, forward, fast forward to a few months later, and I met my now husband, Juani. Um, <laughs> who, who shared the gospel with me the day that I met him. And um, I actually came to MPI the Sunday of the week that we met. And that day, I gave my life to the Lord, and I set up my 101 with my mentor, Catherine Esquivel. And... I now declare my life free of depression and of the devil's lies and victorious in Jesus' name. And I, I wouldn't trade uh, my worst day with Jesus for my happiest day without Jesus. Amen. Um, and I have a scripture here to share. It's Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 through 16. It says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Let's pray. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is broken, lonely, sad, depressed, God, that they come to this altar and give their life to you, Lord. I pray that when they walk out of these doors, Lord, that that they know that their life is not theirs, but yours, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. The day that Jesus died on the cross for us, he died for our brokenness. You do not have to feel that hurt or pain in your heart. God, I pray, thank you for salvation, and I pray for salvation in the broken and hurt, Jesus. And I pray for joy, unconditional joy in everyone's life. In your mighty name, amen. Go on and speak against my power in us. The judge is my defense, I'm going free. Right when the devil fell, I heard the freedom break through the heart of hell. I'm going free, I'm going free. Glory, glory, hallelujah, you threw my shackles in the sea. Glory. I won't go back. I won't go back 
again. That's just not who I Lord, I'm a brand new man. I'm going free. I'm on the narrow road. It's paved with grace and hope. It's going to lead me home. I'm going free. I'm going free. Glory, glory, hallelujah, you threw my shackles in the sea. Glory, glory, hallelujah, Jesus is my liberty. Glory, glory, hallelujah, you threw my shackles in the sea. Glory, glory, Jesus is my liberty, I'm going free.
to break every chain. Break every chain. Come on, if you need some chains broken off, let's sing that again. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, as there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break, to break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break, to break every day, break every day. Come on, sing an awesome fish. And awesome fishing sacrifice. So freely given for such a price. On redemption, heaven's gates swing wide. They swing wide, swing wide. Oh, there is power, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Just the drums and voices, there is power. There is power. Come on, lift your voice. Come to Jesus. Oh, 
If you're a part of that army, let's sing this part out. There's an army rising up. Oh, and the church said, there's an army rising up. Oh, there's an army, there's an army rising up. Oh, to break every chain. If you need some chains broken off in your life right now, no shame. Raise your hands. Come on, we're believing that there's chain-breaking power in this place. There's freedom in Jesus. Oh, there's freedom, there's victory in Jesus. Oh, he paid it all. He paid it all. Oh, let those chains fall off. Let those chains fall off. Let those chains fall off.
Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. Let's make that our anthem. I'm no longer I'm no longer a slave to Shout it out, I'm no longer No longer, Lord No longer, Lord I am I am no longer I'm no longer to me Lord, we thank you so much for your presence in this place today, oh God. Church, if you could lift up your hands all across this room. I want us to come before the presence of the Lord this morning with an attitude of thankfulness. Aren't you so thankful for what Jesus has done for you? Jesus, we thank you this morning that you have delivered us, oh God. That you have set us apart for your purpose and your glory. You came to save us, Jesus. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are your children, your sons and your daughters, oh God. And we say thank you this morning. We thank you for the cross today. We thank you, oh God, for your blood that you shed on Calvary. We thank you for coming, Jesus, and dying and taking our place. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We adore you, Jesus. 
Church, I want us to turn our attention this morning and pray for the nations of the world, especially the parts of our world that are in chaos and turmoil and war. I want us to pray for the peace of Christ to rule and reign in those nations, that the gospel of Jesus would be lifted high as a banner. Let's lift up the name of Jesus as a banner over those lands and let's pray for peace. Jesus came to this world to bring peace. He is our Prince of Peace. He came into this world to show us what it would be like for us to have communion with him again because we messed it up. And I want us to pray, especially in this time, in this season, that the nations of the world would hear the name of Jesus and they would come and repent. So if you guys can lift up your hands, let's begin to pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We lift up, God, Syria this morning. We lift up the Middle East, oh God. We pray for your spirit to fall. We pray, oh God, that the gospel would continue to be preached, Lord. Even in the midst of persecution, that the believers there, oh God, would continue to rise up and preach the gospel unashamed. We pray, oh God, for lands, oh Lord, right now that are in turmoil, that are at war. We pray for the love of Jesus to be poured out. Lord, the love that we get to experience here, your freedom, your peace in this land that we get to experience in just a glimpse, just a sliver of it, oh God, I pray that you would pour it over the lands of the world that don't know you, lands that are shut off to the gospel, lands that don't want to hear about the name of Jesus. Come on, church, lift up your voices. I want you to start calling on countries that God has placed on your heart. Rachel, if you could prepare to come on up, I want us to have a time of intercession. Rachel, if you could pray for the persecuted nations of our world today. Hallelujah. We lift you up. Holy Spirit, we need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we desire for your flood to flood over the nations, Lord, for your spirit to rush over the nations, oh, Father God. We ask, God, for your peace. We ask for your grace. We ask for the knowledge of Jesus to be made known, God, in the nations, nations we know not the names of, nations that we see on TV, nations, oh, Father God, that you wake us in the night to pray for. God, as a church today, we stand together and we ask for your name to be lifted up, God. Your word says, oh, God, if we lift you up, you will draw all men to yourself, God. So today we lift you up. We pray for the believers, oh, God, over there, that they will continue to rise up, Lord. We ask, oh, God, that sin, Lord, we be brought down, oh, God, and the grace and the knowledge of Jesus would be rise up, Lord God. We ask, oh Lord Jesus, for mercy, Lord. Mercy over these nations, God. We come against the lies of the enemy. We come against false religion today, God. We come against unbelief, God. We come against violence today, Lord. We come against, oh God, the, the teachings of demons, God. And we bind that up in the name of Jesus. And we declare truth, God. We declare the truth of Jesus to be resounded, oh God, from every mountaintop, God, to every valley, to every village. In the name of Jesus, God, you are more powerful the name of Jesus breaks every chain Lord and we believe that today break oh God every chain God in these nations oh Lord and bring salvation in the mighty name of Jesus amen
Hallelujah, Jesus. Have your way, oh God. Use us, God, to continue to be a light. Jerry, if you could pray for America. I want us to lift up this country, the country that we are in, the one that is free, that God would continue to use the church here to raise up people, to continue to be a voice in these lands, that righteousness again would prevail here with us so that the light of the gospel would continue to be able to go out from us. In Jesus' name, Jerry, go ahead. Father God, we lift up this great nation to you, God. But it's not great if we turn our back on you, God. And so I just lift up this nation, God. This we are one nation under God, even if the people have forgotten about it, God. And I just lift this place up to you, God. I lift up the American church to do what it set out to do in the beginning, to, to love God and to love people and to usher in your presence, God, to be the greatest nation, the most compassionate nation, the nation that gives beyond all other nations giving, God. And if we don't return to the Lord our God, our, our lampstand will be taken from us, God. But there are still a remnant left, God, and we are praying, God. We are beseeching you, God. We we want you to touch the rulers of this nation, God. We want you to touch the president, God, and the, and the president-elect, God, and all those in politics, Lord, because you tell us to pray for those in authority, Lord. And so we believe, God, that you will be with them if we intercede and we ask, God, and you can make this nation a great again. You can make it one nation under God again, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, God. And we know that that came from you. So, Lord, I just pray for America. I pray that we will fall to our knees. We will humble ourselves in front of the almighty God and that you will equip us to go and bring the gospel to all the world like you once did with great revivalists and missionaries of the past. I pray that in this place you will call people. You will call them into ministry. You will call them to be missionaries and pastors and leaders and evangelists and prophets and teachers, God, all over this room, God. People will answer the call. It's not enough to be called, it's enough to answer the call. And when you say yes to God, He says yes to you and He will send you out. And so I pray that if you feel that in your heart today, that God is calling you to do something great for Him, that you will seek Him and you will pray and you will hear from Him directly because that is the only thing that will sustain you when you know that you know that you know that God has called you to go, you will go with such a fervor, with such a, with such a zeal, and not the gates of hell will not prevail. There's nothing the devil can do to stop the gospel when the Lord is called. And so, Lord, we just ask you to send these missionaries from America all over the world. God, make us great again in your sight, not in man's. In Jesus' mighty name. Woo, come on. Glory God. to God. God of miracles, come, Lord, we need you, Jesus. We need your supernatural love to break through. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. God of miracles, to God. You're the God of miracles. 
with you. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise this morning. Have your way in our hearts, King of our hearts, King of our lives. Be exalted in majesty and honor and praise. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, O Lord, that your word that goes out will not return void. We thank you, God, that in you is in, there is redemption. In you there is salvation. Lord, I pray for a harvest of souls in these last days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You guys can give your neighbor a high five as you grab your seat. Praise God. It's so wonderful to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for joining us at Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. We take very serious this time because we believe that every single person that comes through these doors should know the simple message of salvation, that Jesus came to save you. We don't want to convert you to a religion. We don't want you to be a part of our club. We want you to meet, experience, and know Jesus and live for him. So this message is for you this morning. If you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with him today and come to him in humility and say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. In John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That is such a simple message of salvation, friends, this morning. Coming to Jesus and living for him is not complicated. It's one step saying, I need a savior. Jesus didn't come to institute a religion. He came to reconcile us into relationship with God the Father again because we messed it up. Sin came into the human race through Adam and Eve. And every single one of us, the Bible says, fall short of the glory of God. And we must be born again. Somebody say, no one. No one will see heaven. No one will see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's not be be coming to church. It's not being a part of one specific church. It's not saying you're a specific religion. You must be born of God. Reborn into new life through Jesus Christ. And you come by saying, Jesus, I believe. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and say, God, I'm doing it your way. I'm not doing it my way anymore. You repent of your sin. You turn from your ways and say, God, I'm doing it your way. So if that's you this morning, I want you to be honest with yourself and say, I have not done that. I have been doing it my way. I have not given it all to Jesus. I've been making excuses. With all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to have an opportunity right now as I begin to pray to come back to the Lord if you've backslid or make this your first time decision. God, I thank you 
that you came, Jesus, as a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago to take our place. And you made it possible through your death, burial, and resurrection for us to have new life, to be born again of the Spirit of God. I pray, oh God, that every single person in this room that does not know you, that today would be their spiritual birthday that they would come alive in their spirit man today through confessing their sin and believing, Jesus, that you came to save them. I pray that you would convict them of their sin. And today they would bow their knee before you and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Go ahead, give him a hand clap. He is worthy. You guys can stand up to your feet. I'd like to give you an opportunity if you mean business with Jesus today and you want to get right, you want to find out how to get plugged into the church, get discipled. We have prayer workers right here, Nandri and Augustine, who would love to pray with you and show you how to get plugged in, start discipleship, and make Jesus number one in your life. I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer in just a little bit when we start the fellowship time. You guys ready to recite our confession of faith? Come on, this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see society and the world around us. So on the count of three, let's do it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father's Son and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! God is good. Won't you guys spend some time hanging out? Give somebody a hug and a handshake.
All right, it's good to see everybody hanging out. Take your time, just a few more moments. No hurry, let's enjoy all the love and fellowship. All right, who's excited they came to church today? Come on, convince us a little bit more. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Woo! Wonderful. You guys can make your way to your seats. Thank you for joining us at Metro Praise International. You guys have braved the weather. It's awesome to see you guys here. Thank you for joining us. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our children every week. And then on Fridays, we have Elevate, 7 p.m. You could tell they're very excited. It's the best place to be in the city on a Friday night. Invite your friends, any cousins, neighbors, people you go to school with. If you're 11 to 18 years old, you want to be here on Friday nights. If you're not here on Fridays and you're a teenager, you are missing out. We have the best youth pastors, the best youth leaders on the planet. So get on fire for Jesus and come on out and join them. We're so excited about our King's Kids Christmas party. I want you guys to mark it in your calendar. It's going to be this Wednesday, December 21st at 6.30. We're going to be giving away gift cards and bicycles and then 150 Christmas gifts, the first 150 children that come. It's going to be an awesome time. So invite your neighbors, families that you know that your children go to school with. It's going to be such a powerful time of having outreach, preaching the gospel, and celebrating our little ones. So mark that in your calendars. Next week for Christmas Day, how many of you guys excited about Christmas? I can't believe it's right around the corner. So exactly one week from today on December 25th, we are going to be having our Christmas concert. So we thank, we thank you guys who have put in so much practice and uh, displaying your talent and making this concert to be very, very special. We wanted to make sure we gave them the best shot to make it happen. So we're so excited that we get to uh, present this concert to you on Christmas Day. It's going to be such a beautiful time. We're going to be having one service again for next week, 10 a.m. So come out strong. Invite your friends and family. It's going to be such a beautiful Christmas service displaying all of these wonderful talents before the Lord. And our children are going to be singing. They're going to be dressed up so beautifully. So mark that in your calendar. Invite your friends and family. We will see you next week again at 10 a.m. You guys excited about the concert? I know I am. We're going to be such beautiful presentations. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. The way we want to do that uh, is through connect. Somebody say connect. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. In the back of your handouts, you'll see the quarter coming to an end. Somebody say, New Year! I can't believe it's going to be 2017, but that handout shows you the schedule up to the end of this month, just about another week or two. We have Tuesday, the Resistance Life Group kicking it off. Be here at 6 o'clock if you're 11 to 18 years old. Wednesday is King's Kids. That's going to be our Christmas party. Bring your children. It's an awesome time every week getting together. 6.30 here at the church for Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. Thursday, we're going to have our gang outreach, 18 years and up. 7 p.m. meeting here at the church, preaching the gospel on the streets. And Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivid's house. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult, you want to be at those Bible studies on Friday evenings. 
be committed, stay connected, and you're going to see such an awesome uh, reward in your life of being so close to Jesus, being refreshed throughout the week, and building friendships in the church. Look, look to your neighbors. Say, get mentored. We want to mentor you here at MPI. We have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. We want to invest into you. We want to pour our heart and our life experiences into you. And we want to challenge you to put God first in everything that you do, to really, truly be a disciple for the Lord. And when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader so that one day you could be appointed to be a deacon and an elder in the church so that you could fulfill God's purpose in your life for you and your family. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say, Send! We want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, they hit the streets, preaching the gospel, street witnessing, and sharing the love of Jesus and the message that Jesus saves to complete strangers. And you never have to worry about what you're going to say because the Bible says that he's going to give you the words at the proper time to speak. And it's really going to encourage your walk with the Lord. It'll take you closer to Jesus, and you will learn how to answer people's questions. Be ready to give the answer for the hope that you have. So as believers... We are all responsible to go out and tell people about Jesus. So to recap, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people, which is the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. A strategy to connect you, mentor you, and to send you out. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. Praise the Lord. With God, it is possible. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings this morning? Come on, God has been faithful. We're going to get into our giving lesson in just a little bit. We believe that scripture teaches that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. Anything above the tithe is an amount that God places in your heart to give, which we designate towards the building and uh, towards missions, building fund and missions throughout the years. Um, and we just ask that you give with a cheerful heart. That's what the Bible teaches about giving an offering that you give with a cheerful heart unto the Lord. So let's get into our lesson today. Lesson nine, overcoming fear. We've been talking about hindrances that keep you from obeying God. A hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 25, verse 25. Matthew 25, verse 25. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Let's learn the three main points from that parable. Number one, so I was afraid. Fear is a powerful emotion that can prevent you from doing the right thing. For example, if you're afraid that God will not provide for you, you will not be faithful at giving your tithes and your offerings. This parable is referring to a man who was given... Um, bunnies and then he just buried it in the ground he was afraid so he's like here I, I buried it here is yours we can allow we cannot allow fear to keep us from giving our all to God we want to make sure that we're going out in faith trusting the Lord giving our tithes and offerings and saying God I put you first I trust you're going to provide for me I'm not going to bury my talents I'm going to come forth and say God I know you're going to provide for me Number two, hid your gold. Sometimes people think like the lazy steward in the parable that hiding God's treasures is better than investing it into his kingdom. Certainly saving money is wise, but we should only save what we have tithed from. Otherwise, we are hiding God's money because the tithe belongs to him. No matter what way you look at it, 10% of your total income automatically belongs to Jesus, whether you give it to him or not. And you will be held accountable if you do not tithe faithfully. 
and you will not see God's blessings flow. We've been learning about sowing and reaping. If you sow little by little, that's how much you're going to reap. But if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. And there's hundreds of testimonies in this room about when you're faithful to God in your finances, he meets your need. And number three, what belongs to you? The reality is everything belongs to God, not just our tithe and offerings. However, God only asks that we be faithful to give 10% back to him and seek his will for offerings above that. Therefore, when giving our tithes and offerings, we should do it remembering that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to Jesus. But let's be faithful with our with the amount that he told us to give. Amen? So in summary, be motivated by your love for God and giving, not hindered by fear. That is so good. Let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithe. Number two, repent if you have not been faithful in giving God your tithes and offerings because of fear. And three, learn God's financial promises in the Bible so you can replace your fear with faith. If you guys are ready to do that, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit, of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Stand up to your feet with me, please, as we prepare to give the Lord our best this morning. Praise the Lord. So again, a tithe is 10% of our total income. An offering goes towards missions and towards building. Uh, you could be very specific about the amount on your envelope that you want to go towards each category. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda for that today if you have any questions. And four, you could go online and use Chase, QuickPay, PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite this Bible verse together. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your uh, blessing and faithfulness to our lives. We come before you this morning, God, in faith, not in fear. We repent of fear crippling us from being obedient to your command of giving our tithes and our offerings. We give cheerfully and faithfully today. I pray that you would use it for your kingdom, for your glory on this earth, that the gospel would spread to the ends of the earth. I pray that you multiply uh, everything that is given here to meet the needs of this community for the gospel to be preached at the ends of the earth, and for our families needs to be taken care of. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. I pray you bless and prosper them on the job. Give them increases, promotions, and raises. And may you be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. And please come forward as you give. And we thank you so much for your generosity.
All right, come on, let's give it up for some real Chicagoans in this place. Y'all showed up. Give a hand clap for yourself. How many are happy you're here today? Can I get a what, what? Amen. It is a packed house. I am so glad that we could combine our services and make it just happen today. Thank you for braving the cold. How many of you, it was just like not a big deal. You're like, Pastor, I'm ready to go to church. I ain't scared. How many of you were a little scared? You're like, this is a little scary. I don't know if I can do this. How many of you just don't care? You're ready for me to preach. All right, let's get it on. Enough about the weather. Okay, let's go to John chapter 11, verse 1. Because we are switching around uh, what we intended to do, I am actually finishing the John series today. We're going to learn about the last sign of John, the sign of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So go with me to John chapter 11. How many have enjoyed the series of John? Did you guys enjoy it? I hope that you did. You got something out of it. Read the book of John in a new way from this point forward. Let the book of John speak to you through the signs of Jesus. Now, last week we had to read 41 verses, and I thought that was a lot. But today, right now, we are going to read 45 verses. How many of y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Come on. You guys can handle this. Now, what I'm going to do is make it as exciting as I can, but the most important part is that you follow along. You get the story. Don't get lost in the words. Don't start daydreaming, drifting off. Catch the story because this is the last story that John tells of the miracles of Jesus in the book of John. And let me just go through the seven all together. We started off this series on the seven signs of John with Jesus changing the water into wine. Jesus is the life of the party. We then learned that he healed the royal official's son. That means that Jesus hum when we humble ourselves, he heals us. He then healed the paralytic. The question that he asked the man is, do you want to get well? How many want to get well in this place and live healthy and whole? Amen. The next sign that John tells us about in his gospel is the feeding of the 5,000. And we learn that Jesus multiplies the little bit that we give him and he is our provision. How many have been feeding on Jesus? He said, my, my flesh and my blood is real drink, real food. That's not communion. It is the word and the Holy Spirit that comes into your life. He then walked on water with Peter and we learned that Jesus controls nature. He's in charge. And if we put our faith in him, we can do all things. How many believe you can do all things? Amen. Last week we talked about Jesus healing the blind man. He spit in the ground, made the mud pie, put it over his eyes, and the man could see. That means that Jesus opens up our spiritual eyes that we can see. How many can see the world spiritually the right way today? You know good from evil. And then today the last sign is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The whole book of John is written for this purpose. Look at John chapter 20 verse 30. This is how John ends the gospel telling you why he wrote the entire gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. Where are a lot of those signs found? See John only talks about seven. Where are the rest of those hundred miracles? What books are they found in? The other Gospels, and we call those the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But these are written, these seven signs, John said, are written that you may what? That you may what? Come on, help me preach that ye may believe, follow along, that Jesus is the Messiah and the what? The Son of God. Thank you. And that by believing, you may have what in his name? 
life in his name. So listen to this again. John wrote his gospel, this powerful gospel, filled it with seven signs, ended it with great teachings of Jesus, the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension. And he said, I wrote these seven signs that you may believe in Jesus as the Messiah, not only just as the Messiah, but as the Son of God. That's why John starts his gospel in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was what? The Word was God. We're not just talking about a man trying to become God. That's not what Christmas is. Jesus is not a man trying to become God. Christmas is God becoming man. Jesus pre-existed Mary, pre-existed the universe. Jesus himself created the universe. And so when Jesus stepped into flesh, he just took on an earth suit. He came in the incarnation of a baby. And he did that so that he may die on the cross. So he is not the Father and he is not the Holy Spirit. He is the Son. God is the what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three are one. Jesus, the Son, came in the flesh. And John wrote down these seven signs that you might believe that. Come on, somebody. And that by believing you may have what in his name? Life, life. God wants you to have life. And that is what is so important today about Lazarus' story is that in the face of the greatest tragedy, the greatest crisis you and I will ever face is death. Death of our loved one, death of our children. My mother buried her daughter after she died drinking and driving. The hardest things you'll ever face is the death of your parents, the death of your husband or your wife, the death of those you love, and then your death. The one thing about life is everybody's going to die. And there's no way to get to heaven unless you die first. Come on, somebody. And so Jesus in the face of death says, I am the resurrection and the life. The story of Lazarus is more than just one man being raised from the dead. Jesus used that as a stage to tell his message that all of us who die believing in him will one day live and never die again. So there was not TV, there wasn't movies, and Jesus didn't do plays when he was preaching. He didn't have Peter dress up like Moses, and they give out the Ten Commandments. Jesus used his miracles and his signs to get across the message. How many think that's pretty awesome? Y'all ready for the last sign? Come on, somebody say, bring it. Here we go, John chapter 11, the last sign of Jesus. Lazarus being raised from the dead. And today you're going to learn about new beginnings because I believe this applies to all of our lives. There are dead things Jesus wants to bring alive. You're coming to the end of this year, and Jesus wants you to leave some things behind. How many know you got to leave some Facebook friends behind in 2016? Come on. you you got to get rid of the drama for your mama. Amen? You know, because messy people, all they do is cause messes. you got to leave some of that behind. How many want to leave some bad habits behind? Amen? How many want to leave some weight behind? Amen? Come on. How many want to leave some haircuts and and hairstyles behind? I got a new one. I got a little side swipe now, right? It's a new year, baby. I'm coming into this new year right. And that means you got to leave some things behind. If I wanted a new hairdo, that means some things had to die. Some hair had to be cut. Some relationships got to change, right? Some budgets got to be cut. Maybe not so much Starbucks this year. And that's what we're going to learn from this. Can I get an amen? Okay, so give me your best attention as you can. 45 verses, the Holy Word of God speaking to us today. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. 
He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Those are the two key characters here, okay, Mary and Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I hope you all got that. Verse 7, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Verse 8, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see with this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some light. All right, come on. Verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Remember, I said Jesus has a sense of humor. Lazarus is sleeping. I'm going to go there and wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, his mom can get him up out of bed. His wife will get him up. Alarm will get him up. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is what? Lazarus is dead. Thank you. Verse 15, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Look at your neighbor and say, this is for you to believe. This is, thank you, this is for you to believe. Jesus said, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now look at how confused Thomas, his disciple, is. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. They thought there was going to be a war over there or something. Verse 17, how many got some friends like that? Well, I guess if I'm riding with you tonight, I may just get ready to die. I may have to get to a fight. I don't know what's going on. How many know sometimes when you get into your friend's car and they're driving, it's like, I just may die tonight. I don't know. Come on. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? Four days. Thank you. Verse 18. We're halfway there. You guys are doing great. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and who Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Look at your neighbor and say, do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is important to believe. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She gets an A-plus on the test. That's why Jesus is doing these signs, that we might believe he's the Messiah and the Son of God. She believed it. Verse 28. After she had said this, she went back, called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Verse 29. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. 
him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Everybody say, it's going to be a sad day. That's what they're thinking, man. This is a sad day, but somebody say, God going to turn it around. Come on, God's going to turn your frown upside down. It's all right to smile. Amen. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Isn't that something? He knows the miracle is going to happen, but he's now deeply moved by their emotion. God cares about your situation. Even though he knows he's going to turn it around watching you go through, it still breaks his heart. I'm preaching before I'm preaching, but are you listening? Come on, I'm telling you, Jesus was moved by the crying, by the hurt, by the loss. Verse 34, Jesus said, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, shortest book but uh, shortest verse of the bible but the most powerful jesus wept jesus wept then the jews said see how he loved him but some of them said could he not who could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying they get a little sassy with jesus jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance take away the stone he said but lord said martha the sister of the dead man by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days and the king james it says he stinketh you know what I'm talking about? Stinketh. How many can't stand bad smells? It's just bad smells are not going good with you. How many know that's part of having children is getting used to bad smells? Amen. It's not easy for me, but I am getting better with it. But sometimes I just got to cover my nose like this. I'm not going to be gross in church, but I'll put my T-shirt over my nose and just endure it as long as I can before I leave the room. Anyways, verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now here is the best part of the story. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those standing here that they may believe that you have sent me when he said this jesus called in a loud voice lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with stripes of linen and a cloth around his face like a mummy like this jesus said to him take off those gray clothes and let him go therefore everybody say therefore Thank you. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Praise God. Let's give it up for the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's the Bible right there. I mean, that's the story of a man being raised from the dead. Now, we have to stop and ask ourselves, do we actually believe that? Do we believe that this story happened, or is this a fairy tale? Is this a myth? For me personally, I take this to be very serious. There's many good reasons why I believe in miracles, but I'll share with you just one. If Jesus raised from the dead, which I believe he did because I sense him in my heart today, then all things are possible when he was walking this earth. If he is the creator, he can change and manipulate creation anytime he wants. If he's the one that gave life from the very beginning, couldn't he give it back?
If he's the one that formed body, uh, the Adam, Adam's body in the Garden of Eden, couldn't he form sick bodies to be whole again? Couldn't he make the DNA of their infrastructure to come back and to function correctly? So if Jesus raised from the dead, then all of these things follow. Now, some of you need to stop and ask yourself, do I really believe Jesus raised from the dead? Because Jesus raising from the dead is the verification of the apostles' testimonies, all the things they written, wrote down, and everything that Jesus said about himself. So if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then we can't trust the story of the apostles, and we can't trust what Jesus said. So he's not just a good man then, he's a liar. If he said he was going to come back and judge the world, and he didn't raise from the dead, he's a liar. It's not just that we're going to look at the other stuff and go, well, he did tell us to love our neighbors, so that's going to be kind of cool. We'll take it as it is. No, the Bible literally says either Jesus raised from the dead, he's the son of God, and he's to be worshipped as such, and these things are to be trusted, or we are to be pitied above all people because we are the biggest fools. Now, I believe Jesus raised from the dead because the Bible says that if we put our faith in his name and trust in him, as it said in John, that we will experience life coming into our, our, our very spirit, into our very soul. And so November 5th, 1995, when I was an unbeliever, when I was a drug dealer, a drug user, a fornicator, a very violent person, an unbeliever, my mother preached to me the simple gospel message, the very simple thing that we're learning about today. And she said, if you call out to Jesus, he'll change your life. He'll come into your heart. And see, that wasn't her, uh, her just mythological belief. That was the thing she had experienced in her life. Then she was asking me now to experience. Notice she didn't say, go back and study. She didn't say, go become a scholar. She didn't say, apply these things, self-help religion, start meditating five times a day. She said, Joe, if the Jesus of this Bible is who I believe he is, he will come right now to this kitchen and touch your life, and you will never be the same again. Now, how many know somebody dead in the grave can't change your life and touch your heart like that? Nobody can do that. I mean, just talk about how it is in your relationships with each other, how even husbands and wives may love each other and have to get to know each other for years to change each other. And some wives are still trying to change their husbands after, what, five, ten years of marriage. And I'm telling you, and parents, you know this. You've been raising your kids since they've been wee, itty-bitty. And after 18 years, you still haven't changed your life. My mother put it on, on Jesus like this. He'll change your life right now. He'll do what I never could do. He'll do what a wife can't do. He will do something on the inside of you that only he can do. And I personally can testify that Jesus did it. The moment I called upon the name of Jesus, I felt power come on the inside of me. I felt the third person of the Holy Trinity come on the inside of me, verify that Jesus was alive. I felt his presence. I opened his Bible. I read his word. And then going back to those stories, I could take them as real because the resurrected Jesus was not just a man of history, he was a person living on the inside of me. How many of you have been born again had an experience like that? Now, if you haven't, we still love you. We're glad that you're here, but that's why we're Christians today. We're not Christians today just because we read a cute story and it changed us. We studied and it changed us. We're here because Jesus changed us. Just as if you would run into a hurricane, you would be changed. Of course, that would be for the negative, but how many know you couldn't run into a hurricane and be the same way? You would come out a little bit twisted. You come out a little bit messed up, right? I ran into Jesus and I ain't the same, but he turned me right side up. Are you listening to me? He put a pep in my step. Like I said, he turned my frown upside down. I got high on the most high. Amen. Give Jesus a try. So those of us here who understand what it's like to know Jesus, this is what we're talking about.
So I still believe back into this story. Now, why? Because of the disciples who say they saw Jesus raised from the dead and preached that message and wrote it down that touched my heart from generation to generation that reached my mom, that reached me. They said they were eyewitnesses. They say that they were there when this happened. They say that this happened just like this. And so today I want to ask you to believe what Jesus said he did and that Jesus can still do what he said he can do. So if you're here today and you're spiritually dead, you don't have a a life on the inside of you, Jesus is going to call you by name right now. Jesus is going to say, you know, like Margaret, come out in Jesus' name and be alive. He's going to say, take off those grave grave clothes and start a new life. Just like he said to me November 5th, 1995, Joe, come out of that grave. Come out of those drugs. Come out of that alcoholism. Come out of that. You You ain't helping me preach today. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. He said, come out of all of that mess because I got something new for you, a new beginning. Can I get an amen? I know it may be cold, but we ain't the frozen chosen, are we? Are we on fire in here? Is this a Presbyterian church or a Pentecostal church? Amen? I may need Vinny to come help me out. Vinny, get up here, please. We got to keep him up this morning. Some of them got too many layers on. They're going to sleep. They got their jammy jams on underneath their clothes today. I got to help you guys stay up. Listen to me. I'm here today to tell you that if you're dead spiritually, Jesus will call your name out of the grave. You will come into new life. That's not just a a good slogan. That is the biblical truth. And then for all of us here today, right now, that would say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I have met Jesus, and I know that I'm alive. There are things that may be dead in your life today. There may be things that you've given up on, and Jesus is saying, hey, I'm still the resurrection and the life. If I could call forth Lazarus, I can call forth a job. If I could call for Lazarus out of a grave, I can get you a husband or a wife. If I could call for Lazarus, I can put a sound mind back up in here. Get you off the counseling couch. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying, if I could call out a dead man, I can call things dead in your life to come alive. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I believe there are many people here today that would say I'm a Christian, but they've given up on promises, promises that God said I gave, and he wants you to hold them at his word. He said to them, I will raise him up. I will lift him up. And they wanted to keep saying, well, it's going to happen in heaven. It's going to happen in heaven. Yes, my friends, we're all going to be healed in heaven. But Jesus wants to heal some people right now. Jesus wants to heal some people right now. Yes, up in heaven, you'll get out of the trouble that you're in right now. But God wants to take you out of that trouble and bring you into blessing. Amen? Praise God, there's already streets of gold up there. But some of you need some streets of gold down here. Some of you need to pay your bills, get out of debt, and get into prosperity. And you're just saying, well, I know it will happen when I get to heaven. But Jesus says, heaven is coming to earth. He said, pray that my kingdom would come and my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about time that we get just just some tenacious, some tenacity in our hearts that we start believing again that this book is real and that it speaks to us. And that, man, the man who wrote it, the, the, the author of the book, John, said at the end, I wrote you these things that you would believe.
I wrote them to you. You could just see as the Holy Spirit's leading Sean to write down this story of Lazarus. He's saying, man, I know this is going to inspire somebody to believe in my Jesus. It may be 2,000 years before Jesus comes back, but somebody going to read this story about a dead man getting out of a grave, and they're going to believe in Jesus. They're going to call on his name when everybody else has left them, when they're all alone in a grave by themselves. Jesus will be more than enough for them. There's an inspiration that should come, that there's an inspiration and a revelation that brings transformation when you get into the Bible. You don't remain the same. You don't look at it the same. It changes you. It transforms you. And so I want to just ask you, as we're about ready to get into a breakdown of some application, I had to preach before I preach because I don't want this just to be a story for us today. It's not just a story to me. I could see myself as Lazarus in that grave, not being able to do nothing for myself, but Jesus calling me out to salvation. And I can see this church, y'all ain't even ready for this. I can see this church as a Lazarus. Y'all don't know what it's like to start a church. Most of you weren't even there. Just my wife and I in a little home Bible study and the devil telling me this thing ain't going to work. You ain't no pastor. Look at you. You started all by yourself. Nobody comes to your house. I was knocking on all the doors. Nobody would come. And it was just like the devil was saying, this is dead. It's dead before it even comes out the womb like a stillbirth. You putting in all this work to push, 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 and it comes out dead. But Jesus said, hey, I'm on my way. I am on my way. Hey, come on, somebody. We're still here, amen. And you're here as a part of that because Jesus said, I got people for you to reach. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've started uh, uh, businesses. You've had visions for your life, and you've seen it die. You've seen problems happen, foreclosures or bankruptcy or being fired. And you're just wondering today, how does this story apply to me? Good for Lazarus, but what about me? And John is saying, I wrote this to you, that you would believe he's your Messiah. Not just Lazarus' Messiah, but he's your Messiah, and he's your Son of God. And that when you got him in in your life, he brings life and life more abundantly. More abundantly, praise God, than we could ever imagine. Anything we could think about, God's life expands and goes beyond it. Can I get an amen? Praise God. This is the way we're coming into a new year, right? We're laying down the old and taking up the new, stepping out of our past and stepping into our future. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's up to you whether or not you come with me. But I'm going. Come on, shake your neighbor and say, but I'm going to a whole nether level. <laughs> Woo! It's up to you what you do, but I'm going to a whole nother level. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you want to hear the breakdown here? Let me get it to you. The Word of God teaches us that Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus to let him know Lazarus was sick, but Jesus said he wouldn't die, and then he waited two days to come. This is a Holy Ghost setup. We got to understand things aren't always going to be on our time schedule. That's why I said, did you catch it when we were reading it? Jesus loved him so much, but then he waited two days. Sometimes Jesus has got to let things die in your life. 
It doesn't mean he's not touched by it. It doesn't mean he's not hurt by it. God says he sees the world and its fallenness, but through it all things are working together for his good and for those good of those who are called according to his purpose. But it does mean that some things die. Some things do happen the wrong way that we, we didn't think it should happen, but God's going to use it. And so God purposely let a man die. He went from being sick to dying. When Jesus told his disciples he was heading back to Judea, which is the area in which Bethany and Jerusalem are in as cities. Judea is like the county, as you could say. They stopped him. The disciples says, man, stop. Why are you going back there? You know why? Because they kept trying to kill him. The, the persecution was getting stronger and stronger, and they're about ready to actually crucify him. But you know what? Jesus taught him, I got to work while it's still day. Look at your neighbor and say, I got to work this thing. Come on. You see, the Bible says there's 12, day, 12 hours of daylight. Now, that must be only like in a Mediterranean, like Caribbean place because we don't got 12 hours of daylight anymore. I've actually looked at the chart, and, you know, in my favorite day is like, what is it, December 21st, the solstice, when it starts to get back up again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Days get longer because I've looked at those charts. And so basically, like right now, we're, we're baby, barely cracking like eight hours, nine hours of daylight. But you understand, in the heat of the summer, you get 12 hours of daylight, if not more, you know, 14, 15, 16. Sometimes the sun will get up around 6, 7-ish and not go down until 8 or 9. Come on. And what Jesus is saying is, i got to work while it's day. And the principle that we have to learn by that is there is going to come a time where you can't do anything more for yourself. There may come a time when you're in a nursing home and you're just going to have to have people wheel you in front of, you know, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. That time may come, parents, where kids that you raised are now going to have to feed you. I know we don't want to think about it, but I got called to preach in a nursing home, so it's always in my mind about the end of humanity. And, and the Bible says that that time may come, but Jesus said that wasn't his time yet. It wasn't his time. It was to, at this time, he said, I'm going to keep working. Look at your neighbor and say, work him. But he was going to do it God's way, the Father's way, not on their time schedule. So Jesus explained to them the reason why he doesn't go there at first to visit sick Lazarus is because he wants them to believe. As I said before, Jesus is not making plays. He's not writing movies. He's not doing cool YouTube documentaries. He's using the signs of the miracles he's doing to make the message go about, to spread the word. You know, because he could say, I'm the resurrection and the life, and how many people would talk about it? You know, probably just a few, like, oh, that's what Jesus said, resurrection and life. And by the way, this is where you get into all the good teachers of the world. Buddha said this, this one said this. Look at what Jesus does. I'm going to let a man die, come raise him from the dead, and then I'm going to tell you a teaching. <laughs> Praise God. I love that. And then everybody else's visitations are all private. Muhammad had an had a angel supposedly visit him in, in a cave. You know, uh, you know, Buddha under the juniper tree reached nirvana. This isn't like the way it is for Jesus. Jesus is crucified naked in front of a man major metropolitan city. Everybody saw him die, and over 500 people saw him resurrected. It was a public miracle, praise God. But he said, I got to let this man die. I love him so much, but I got to let him die so I can come back and raise him up. Now, how many know Lazarus won't be disappointed taking a four-day trip to heaven? It's not like he's going to be like, oh, man, I wish I never would have did that for four days. No, he's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, all right. So Jesus, thank you, arrives in Bethany and finds that Lazarus has been dead for four 
days. You put there when the word came to him and then the time he waited and the travel there. It's about four days, John says. Once again, this is a history book. It is not a mythological book. Days and times all line up together. Now, Mary and Martha are both confused that Jesus didn't come and heal them earlier. Because if you read the story, especially of the synoptics, Jesus is healing everybody all the time. There's thousands of healings that are happening and many that are being named in the synoptic gospels. As a matter of fact, one time it says Jesus was so busy healing, he couldn't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I mean, that's 12 hours of straight work healing. And so you can understand now in the story, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are like best friends. As a matter of fact, I named my oldest girl Bethany because that's where they were from. And Jesus traveled to Bethany, that, that town, that city, more than he traveled anywhere else. That was the most popular place for him to be. And uh, I believe Max Lucado wrote a book about Bethany to help you see the travels of Jesus. And what brought him to Bethany was these three people, this family right here. You have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He's hanging out with them all the time. These are his BFFs. Now can you understand why they're confused? They're like, man, you have healed everybody. You heal people that don't even like you, like a centurion. You heal people that then turn around and persecute you. You heal people that are crazy. You heal people just that you don't even know. And here we are, your best friends, the people that let you come stay with us all the time because Jesus didn't own property. He had to stay at other people's houses, and here's where he's at the most. And they're like, man, you have slept in Lazarus' bed. Because you could just imagine, you know, you got Jesus coming over, and if you're a good friend, what are you going to say if you only got one bed? You're going to be like, Lazarus, you can have it. You can have it. How many of y'all would let your friend sleep on the floor? You're still going to get the bed. You're just going to be like, no, I'll get the bed. Maybe you'll make a little excuses. Maybe you'll say, I got dry, ashy skin. I don't want you to be in that. But you still want your bed. So he literally, I'm being honest with you, Jesus probably slept in Lazarus' bed. He's hanging out. Mary and Martha have cooked for him. And they're confused because now all Jesus is saying is, I did this so you would believe in me. And they're like, we already believe, Jesus. We already know on the last day you're going to be in charge of stuff. Because they had a good belief about the end times. That is, that good people come back alive and live forever upon the new earth. That's called the resurrection. Your soul and spirit goes to heaven temporarily. If you're good, if you're bad, or haven't been born again, you go to hell. And so they understood that, yes, we will come back and live. And, and as the Messiah, you're going to be our king. We understand that. But what about right now? So they were a little bit confused. Now Jesus tells them to remove that gravestone. Get it out the way. He prays out loud to his father so everybody can see the kind of relationship that he has. Remember, Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. There's not three gods. There's one God in three persons. Do you understand the difference? So Jesus is not the Father. He's not praying to himself. He's praying to the Father, and the Holy Spirit's going to go in that tomb and raise him from the dead. And he says, I'm going to pray out loud so everybody can see the relationship I have with you and then the man the stone is rolled away the man comes out he's all mummified you know and then he says let him go get him get all that junk off of him because he's got a new life to live look at your neighbor and say you got to change your clothes come on you got to change your clothes it's time for you to stop wearing those club clothes you know what I'm saying I know it's a little bit over dramatic but I got to be honest with you some of you you've got to show what God's done on the inside on the outside can I get an amen ladies Ladies, you don't got to catch guys' attention with, with all of this right here. Catch their attention with your attributes of holiness, the words that you speak. Amen? I was literally watching a show the other day because my wife loves to watch these, uh, the, the Bachelor. She loves to watch these things. and I watch them with her because I have to. 
No, I'm kidding. No, seriously, I love The Bachelor. I love these shows, Bachelor at The Bachelor. And so I'm telling on myself, but it's okay. I'm watching the show with my wife, and there's like a little, like we watch it like all the time. We watch the summer version. Now we're watching like after the, it's called After the Rose, where they're like living on their own, about ready to get married. Like we, we're watching all of it, waiting for the new season to start. Well, anyways, there, there was this thing where, where the couple who was on it before, now they're a real couple in, in life and doing things or getting ready to be married. They're remodeling a, a house, doing something nice for their, um, for like a charity and they bring some of their friends over and these two blonde girls are like like little cute blonde girls from Florida whatever but they had the most filthiest dirtiest mouth ever okay I'm talking like the entire time they're talking beep beep it's getting beeped out and I looked at my wife and I said this is exactly what the proverb said the proverb says a beautiful woman without discretion is like a pig with jewelry it's being wasted are you listening to me so, ladies, let what the Bible says be true. Let your adornment, let your beauty come from the inside out. Because if all you have is the outside, but you're ugly on the inside, you've missed it. Can I get an amen for that? And then lastly, we see that the Jews believed in Jesus. Here we go, man. I want to end this today with some applications. Number one, God's timing is not our timing. Write down some things right now in your life that you feel you need to see happen this year, 2017. Come on, just write them down in your phone. Put them in a journal. How many things do you want to see change in 2017? Let's make it real. Let's make it applicable right now. What do you want to see? Some of you put down a goal. I want to be out of debt. Some of you, I want to be married. I want us to have our first child. I want to get my college degree. We had uh, Yolanda testify um, uh, Juan's wife, the beginning of this service, Yolanda has straight A's 4.0. She put it on Facebook. Let's give it up for Yolanda. Wherever she is, is she in the back helping out? She's awesome. That's why I tell people all the time, coming to church will not cost you your grades. Sometimes we don't see a young adult. You know, like look at them. They're so busy. I'm a young adult. I have no kids. I'm not married. I have a part-time job, and I go to school, and I can't come to church. And here you have people that have kids and wives and husbands and houses and bills, and they're still going to school, and they're getting straight A's. God is what increases our ability, not decreases our ability. If coming to church hinders your goals in life, you have the wrong goals or you're doing something wrong. God helps us to achieve our goals. But here's the thing. It's not always going to be in our timing. We, are, we love the microwave. At our house, we love the microwave. We cook everything we can in the microwave. How many of y'all use that microwave? Just a lot, like all the time. I was watching a show about when microwaves were first introduced into the world, and I was like, that had to be mind-blowing. We have some older folks here. That had to blow your mind the first time you saw that, because I was kind of brought up in a world of microwaving stuff. But to actually know, like, oh, my gosh, I can cook something in five minutes that would take me an hour, that would just blow my mind. Now listen to me, listen to me, but how many know that things you cook in the microwave don't always taste as good as what you cook in the oven? Because there are things that take time if you want to get it right. There are things that are going to take your effort and your ability of patience to wait for it. So if you rush the process, that turkey's not going to taste as good. Try to cook a turkey in a microwave, right? It's not going to taste as good. But I could tell you as a bachelor, I could probably come up with a way to do it. You know, when I was on my own, I cooked everything in a microwave. I would cook the craziest things there and find ways to do it. But it would never taste as good as somebody who slow cooked it. And look at what Isaiah 58, 55 verses 8 through 9 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my are your ways my ways so get this in your heart when you think about your goals and your dreams right now God is saying chances are what you're 
thinking about when it comes to this is not what I'm thinking about. So that's why we need the mind of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean at some point we don't line up. It's not like every day Jesus is like, I'm thinking about something you're totally not thinking about. And I'm like, I was thinking about going to church and loving you. And Jesus is like, I ain't thinking about that. No, there's going to be a time where we do line up. So I think today I'm thinking about what Jesus is thinking about. How many of you are thinking some of the same thoughts of Jesus today, right? But you need to apply that to your goals. So don't get discouraged when your thoughts don't come to fruition to the goal being met. Maybe your thought wasn't God's thought. For me, I wanted to be married within the first year of salvation. After I got saved at 18, I was ready to be married. Thank you, Jesus. I'm ready for my wife. Where's my wife, Jesus? You know, and I'm walking around Bible college and I'm like, she's got to be here. Where is she? First semester, I'm ready. And I was traveling, preaching, and I'm like, I would always say to the pastors, I'm like, show me the one that can sing. Show me the one doing stuff. Now, you know, I'm telling on myself, I'm just being honest. Bring me that girl that can sing. But it never worked. And then God was like, Hold up there, son. You're not ready to get married. So you know my story. I do. That was good. My man. My man. I had to wait 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. How many years? 10 years. See, my thoughts weren't his thoughts. My ways were in his ways. Nothing wrong with internet dating. I know a lot of great people have met their, their significant other that way. But I'll tell you what, man, I was running through online dating like as if, man, like I was buying something on Amazon. I was like, I'll talk to you. I was literally having like three chat windows open at one time. I was flying over here, driving over here, bringing this one to my family over here. People were like, you have gone crazy. But my thoughts and my ways weren't God's ways. I'm just being real with you. There are, there are things that God will have you to do that may seem counterproductive, unconventional, but it's his wisdom. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I can just look at my wife right now and go, she is so much higher than what I was looking at on Christian Cafe internet dating sites. God had the best. And I'll just, I could keep here all day with my goals and dreams, but apply them to yourself as I'm just being practical right now. Think about when I started this church. Like I said, I started in my house. Well, that wasn't fun. Nobody wants to start a church in their house. I mean, you, you do what you got to do. So what was, what was my method? Well, I'm going to go to a denomination, and I'm going to take one of their, their churches. You know, I'm going to go to a place that already has a building, already has people. Why start from scratch when I can go to a place that already has some folks? And that's a great idea for a lot of people, but the Lord was like, that's not my idea for you, son. You're going to pastor a home Bible study for a long time. And you guys can see I love to preach. I've been preaching within months of getting saved. If you want to see the first time I ever preach, it's on Facebook right now. I'll send it to you. It will blow your mind, the, the grace of God that was on me when I preached my very first time. It was just a gift, just like this man can play the piano. He's never taken a piano lesson in his life. Let's give it up for Vinny Barbarino. Tickling them keys, tickling the keys. So here's the deal. I'm like filling out applications. I'm like, I'm your man. I got my picture on there smiling. Or maybe like this one, you know what I'm saying? I'll be your pastor. I get no callbacks. And I'm like thinking to myself, I am educated. I have experience. Why am I not getting any callbacks? So I actually go and visit a church. I go to the church and visit them. And it is a beautiful out, uh, exterior looking church, but a few people that are there, and the elders in charge, the pastor has already left. And most of the time, those things aren't done right. If the pastor hasn't transitioned to another pastor it, and the church is already without a pastor, it's already a mess most of the time, just most of the time. So I walk in and I can just tell, this place is a mess. They need to get on and get 
get doing the work of the Lord. I could just feel the anointing wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Just things were not right. And so I go up to the elder at the end, and I'm like, man, you know, introduce myself. My name's Joe. Did you get my application? And they're like, oh, yeah, we got you. We know who you are. Like, they knew me. Like, they recognized me. They said, this is God is my witness. They said, you're the one that put on there that you were about evangelism and community outreach. That's not for us. I had a man look me in the eye and tell me that's not for us. I guess they didn't want different kinds of people coming to the church. I guess they didn't want to start seeing what Jesus saw happen in the Bible. I don't know. All I can say is they told me that. But you know what God was saying to me? I've got ways that are higher than your ways. I've got thoughts that are higher than your thoughts. Trust me, I got your back. That's what Jesus was telling me. And all I had to do was wait a little while. Here you are today. The best church that I could ever hope for. Can we give it up for what God is doing here? Because it's not about a man but the God man Jesus Christ hallelujah Woo! and as the snow and the rain come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth making it bud and flourish so it yields its seed for the sower and bread for the eater look at it right here but my word so is my word that goes out of my mouth it will not return to me what it will not return to me empty Jesus still has the power of his words to call dead things alive just like Jesus, look at this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When Jesus said, let there be light, it happened. When Jesus said, let the stars of the sky be there, it happened. When Jesus said, let the waters form, and the, the beaches and the land, it happened when he said let the let the ground produce for the fruit and the trees it happened and when he was on earth he said I'm just talking so they can know I still got the authority father because I know you always hear me Lazarus come out that man came out and God is saying to you whatever promise that he has made he will keep whatever word has come out of his mouth he will accomplish it it is his name that is at stake and he will make sure that the promise comes out at the right time for his purpose the promise has a timing for his purpose. Somebody should put that on Facebook. The next thing that we need to learn is that we got to work in the light. Somebody say work in. Look what the Bible says and tell me if we're in this time right now. Be very careful in Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful. Look at your neighbor and say, be careful, be careful. Be careful, careful. Then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? What are our days? They are evil. We need to pray that God would give us more light, more day to work. My sister still needs to be saved. God, give us another day to win her to the Lord. My neighbors still need to be saved, Jesus. Give us more daylight. The sun is setting. The darkness is coming. We can feel it in the land, can we not? They had a bill in Ohio to restrict abortions after they found the heartbeat of a baby. Kasich, a Republican potential presidential candidate, he was a potential presidential candidate, one of the ones that was a forerunner. He is the governor there. All he had to do in Ohio was to sign that bill, and it would have said, anytime we have a heartbeat, we can't kill the baby, and then we could back it up one more step. Anytime we have life, we can't kill the baby. But that hypocrite, that hypocrite 
would not sign it, and he put back into law the 20-week bill. That is disgusting. The days are so wicked and evil that we say to our own culture through our legislation, it is okay to kill a baby inside the womb that has fingernails and teeth and fingerprints and eyes and ears and eyelashes. I mean, it is an evil day. It's an evil day. We had three of our young people in this church step off their bus Wednesday afternoon and a gang member who was waiting for a rifle started shooting right at them. Steve's children got shot at this Wednesday. I want us to have them stand and pray for them right now. Aviana, Leilan, you guys stand up right now. We're going to pray for you. Jojo, if you're here, stretch your hands towards these three young people that saw gunfire. Father, we ask you to protect them. Keep them safe. May they always know and love you. May they fulfill their purpose. And we pray for the violence of this city to cease in Jesus' name. We pray for these gang members who are dead in their conscience to come alive and that, Lord, they would live holy for you in Jesus' name on the count of three everybody shout Chicago for Jesus one two three Chicago for Jesus give it up for the Lord amen the days are evil the sun is setting on on our generation we got work to do we've got work to do the Christians should never be fired for laziness we should never be told on the job that we're not doing enough we should be the most creative the most ingenuitive we should be the most hardworking, the most dependable because we know that our time is short to make a difference here and we do all things not unto our boss not unto our customer we go one step higher than that we do all things as unto Jesus our Lord and Savior can I get an amen now, this part right here may hurt in closing, but you're going to make it sound a little bit better with that nice music. Amen. Because God will let some things die in your life. That was like my r and I tried. But God will let some things die. Here we go. Here's one. It's so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, learn the gift of goodbye. There are things, because we're not going to kill people. We love Jesus, even though our enemies sometimes want to kill us. And in traffic, we think about it. We get tempted. We will not act on our crazy desires. How many want to live murder-free? And the Bible even says that cursing out somebody is a sin of murder. So don't fall for that. Don't get into cursing people. But here's the deal. What we do need to do is say goodbye to some relationships. We need to, we need to let some things die. We need to let some things of our past go. We keep dragging them with us year after year after year, and we're, we wonder why things never change. Listen, moving to another city won't change your life. You know why? Because you will be there. And if you haven't worked on your problems, when you go into that city, you'll still be there with those problems. And then if you have a hard time opening up your heart and giving your life to people, you can leave one relationship, but when you go to that other relationship, you'll run into the same problems. Why? Because you're there. You're there with those same issues that you haven't dealt with. That's why they say the second and the third marriage has a higher rate of divorce than the first marriage because the bad habits continue to increase and the ones you had at the beginning never got dealt with. And I can feel this as an older man. This is my last year in my 30s. January 19th, I turned 40 years old. Well, thank you. Praise God. I've made it. I'm sure my parents are surprised I made it. Some of my high school teachers are probably surprised I made it, but so praise God. 
But I'll tell you what, man, I, I have become a creature of habit, and it's hard to let some things die. It's hard uh, when I lost, you know, by God's grace, 60 pounds. It's hard to let that vision die of what I thought I would do every night. Sit down, enjoy a meal until I couldn't eat no more. I mean, I got, I got addicted to that feeling of full, which was really a false feeling. It was like a gluttony, you know. And, and there's things that I had to let die that was beyond that. I had to let die my laziness, you know. When you're losing weight, and I've been doing this for two years now, I'm still losing gradually. I'm not losing as much as I did, but I've kept it off. You guys know that. Man, I have to die to all the things that I want to do instead of going working out. I have to work out around an hour to two hours a day, five days a week. Praise God. Keep praying for me. Keep praying for me. But I, it, it, it's hard because I don't always have her there clapping for me, you know. I go into the gym. I feel like nobody's there. I need to videotape your clap and just remind myself because I feel so discouraged sometimes. You know, you just, you're like, my family's at home, especially yesterday. My family's at home. I'm leaving this house. It is cold outside. I get on the stationary bike. I can't even go outdoors and ride my bike anymore. I'm on a stationary bike. And I'm trying to entertain myself. God knows I'm trying to make this fun for myself. But it gets so hard. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Losing weight is hard. But you've got to let that die. You've got to let it die. You've got to let attitudes die. It becomes such a habit for us to respond a certain way to people. You know, we, just, we, we receive it a certain way, that, that tone. And the moment we hear that tone, the lights go off, the red, bing, bing, alarm, alarm. You know, slap this person, cuss out this person, tell this person what you think. How many have alarms go off in your head and you know it's time to roll, it's time to get sassy? How many know that? You just, you can snap like that. And you'll even tell somebody, don't you go there, don't you go there, you go in there, don't you? You don't want to see me. You don't know you messing with who are you talking to like then you could just whoop, whoop, whoop. you could just hear the alarm going off but you've got to let that die you've got to let that die and those are bad things everybody say those are bad things but here's the thing this is where i got to get real right now sometimes good things die sometimes good things die like i said before th this is real lazarus is their brother lazarus is not their bad habit so that's why we as preachers got to watch out, you know. Sometimes we just think everything bad dies. No, in the story, the good guy dies. The one that everybody loves. The one that everybody's house is where they're at all the time. And I've had things die in my life. I've had people leave me that I didn't want to leave me. I, I've had uh, dreams die that I really loved, that I, that I thought were going to come to pass. And maybe they still will. Some of you all don't know this, but I tried to go on Christian TV a long time ago. And you may not even believe that. Like, you were on TV, Pastor? Yes. I'll actually show you some of the videos. I was on TV. I tried so hard because what, what am I thinking? I'm thinking the more I can get the message out, the more lives are going to be changed. But God just let all the money dry up. I mean, I was trying to sell my rag for $10.99. I said I would. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> some of you all believe me. You were like, man, Pastor, you must have had it bad. Just $10.99. I'm going to sell you my rag. It will bless you. Put it on your head. You'll be healed. I'm messing up my side swipe. Help me, Jesus. Uh, just this I'll cut it up in pieces. I'll give you just a piece for $5.99. No, but seriously, I had like a little package I would do for you. I'll give you all my videos by DVD. That was popular back then. It, it just didn't work. It didn't work. We had to, we left here. We were here at one point. We went to another building, came back. We had to shut down at that building. We couldn't do it. 
I buried my sister. I buried loved ones. None of my grandparents are alive. And so there are things that, yes, God's going to deal with in eternity, and that is true. There are, all wrongs are going to be made right there. But I want you to ask yourself, those things you put on those lists, the list of things that we started off with, like your goals and your dreams, is there any that you left off because you just think are so crazy that it could never happen? See, those are the things that I think God wants to remind you of and say, well, no, I'm not done yet. Wouldn't that be funny if I do eventually get on TV? Then everybody's like, this guy's a cool TV preacher because he makes fun of all the other TV preachers. No, I'm kidding, half kid. But you know what I'm talking about? Wouldn't that be cool? Like somehow it turns out. What if the things that we've given up on, God says, I haven't given up on. It's not just for heaven. It's for now. The next thing I want you to see is that Jesus feels your pain. This is really important to understand. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our what? He bore our what? Our griefs and carried our sorrows. He bore our griefs and sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That is the passage out of Isaiah 500 plus years before Jesus prophesied uh, that he would suffer on our behalf. And it wasn't just our sins, everybody. Jesus also carried your griefs, your sorrows, broken relationships with parents, parents' broken relationships with your kids. Uh, hopes and dreams that are smashed into a thousand pieces. When you feel like your heart is a is a valuable vase, I always use this example because that's the way I felt at times, and, and I still do when I get my heart broken. It's like, here's this valuable vase, like this thing, like it's been handed down for years. It's in a museum. It's awesome. And the devil and the world and others will just take it and be like, you like it? You like it? Well, this is what I think about it. And they'll just break it right in front of you. How many know people can just do that in your life? How many know the devil, you have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, come to steal, kill, and destroy? The devil said, here's your future, Joe, and I don't care about it. I want you to go crazy. I want you to be addicted to drugs. I mean, that's what the devil said to me. And the devil says to you, I don't want your family going to heaven. I want If you're going to heaven, you're going by yourself. Your kids are going to hell, and it will break your heart. I've watched my mother, because you always talk about my sister who died drinking and driving, but I have two other siblings that if they don't repent, they're going to hell as well. And one of them is older. She's in her 50s. She was getting alcohol. She was already drunk. She was at the liquor store. She was getting alcohol, walked right out into 59, you know, four-lane highway, two going this way, two going that way, fast cars, and got hit by a car. Thankfully, she lived, but she got put in a coma, and I, and I was literally looking at my mother's heart. Here she is in her 70s around her 50-year-old daughter who can't even afford her apartment because she has addiction. Are you listening to me? And she's wondering, am I going to lose my second daughter to alcoholism? I've already buried one. See, Jesus carried that pain for my mother. Jesus carried that pain for you. And here's the thing. Heaven is a place where it all gets made right. But here on this earth, Jesus wants to weep with you and heal your broken heart. He will not violate their will and change everything out there, but he'll change everything in here. He's the shoulder you go to to cry on because he's weeping with you. Some of y'all ain't ready for this because it's Christmas holidays. We're having a great day today. But listen, some of y'all are going to have to remember this verse on your hardest day. Jesus wept. And that means if he wept then, he's weeping with me now. He understands the pain that I'm going through. There may come a time where you feel like everything in your life's been shattered. And the first lie the devil will try to tell you is that God doesn't care. But you go back to this story and you say, yes, he does. Jesus wept with them and he's weeping with me. 
even though he knew he was going to raise the man from the dead. That didn't change the fact that Jesus knew the pain of what death was. And even though we know there's a heaven to come, don't we still weep for our loved ones? Even though there's streets of gold up there, don't we still weep when we lose our jobs? Come on, men, let's keep it real. I've cried with some men over job losses. And Jesus is saying, I'm here to cry with you and to heal your heart. Tell your neighbor he cares about you. Lastly, in closing today, Jesus can make dead things to live and have new beginnings. What do you think Lazarus was like when he came out of that grave? What kind of pep do you think he had in his step? I mean, what could you say to him? In John chapter 12, read it if you don't believe me. John chapter 12 says the Jews now are just, the leaders are so livid at Jesus. like Because all these people are converting to believe in him. They are so upset that now not only do they want to kill him, they also want to kill Lazarus. Because you could just imagine Lazarus sitting around telling everybody what Jesus did for him. Man, you think that was cool. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was dead. I was up in heaven. Then all of a sudden I heard Jesus tell me to come out of a grave and I'm walking like a mummy. They take the thing off me and I'm standing in front of my sisters. This is the real deal. Do you think at that point he would be afraid of death anymore? Do you think that, because we know he eventually died, he eventually died. Do you think when he caught that pneumonia or whatever that cancer was or whatever took him out, do you think he was on his deathbed going, man, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm so scared. He had a understanding of what eternity was like. And you know what? You and I can have that now because Jesus has already told us what death is like. He says he's defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he says this moment we pass from here, we go right to there into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And then here's the thing as it applies to us. When things come alive, the Bible says that whoever's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are a brand new creation. So if you're here today and you need to accept Jesus into your heart and you want to repent of your sins, you'll become a new creation that's not even the same as the old one. You'll come out brand new. And then those of us here who would say, Pastor, I've put some things on my list for 2017 that look dead, that look like I can't do it without God's help. God says he's going to give it to you if it's his word, his way. He's going to do it, and it's not going to be just like something you tape together. It's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be perfect as he intended it to be. Sometimes we try to make our plans come together by taping it together and piecing it together. But when God makes it new, it makes it brand new. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and give it up for Jesus today. Do you love him? Come on. Band, would you come? Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out and braving the cold today. We love you, Jesus. Could you just close your eyes with me for a few moments and just tell Jesus how much you love him? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The band and the altar workers are coming because we're going to have a Holy Ghost party before we leave here. Jesus, we love you so much today. You are our resurrection. You're the one that makes us new spiritually. If you're already born again spiritually right now, would you thank the Lord for a new life? Just tell him thank you. Gracias, Señor. For a new life, for a new beginning. And now today, if you're believing God for goals and dreams, put them at his feet right now and say, Lord, I give them to you for your way to happen at your time, for your purpose. I surrender 2017 right now before it even starts. Come on, whether you're praying for Jesus to come into your life or you're praying for your goals, the things that he's promised you right now, would everybody pray? Would everybody pray? You've heard the preaching, now it's time to pray. Preach, pray, plug away. That's church. Let's do it right now. 
Jesus, we lift it up to you right now. All of our hopes and our dreams, and we put them in your hands, God. We put them in your hands. Only you know, God. Only you know the things that have died in our lives that you're calling back to life today. We won't be a slave to fear anymore. We will not be a slave to fear because we're children of God. A few moments right now. If you need to be born again, you know how you pray? You just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. That's all you need to do. Faith. Faith to call out his name and he'll save you. A few more moments for those believing for dreams, goals, and visions. Name them out. Maybe you're going to have to talk to somebody, and it's going to be a difficult conversation to say things are going to change this year. Ask God for boldness. I already know some people that are going to buy some houses this year, and you've got to talk to the banks. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to give you the patience to wait. Don't jump on the first one. Some of you are starting new businesses. I already like the Facebook page of a brother starting a new business in the church. Pray to God to give you guys wisdom, financial stewardship, customers, marketing. Some of you have lost family members. You want them here Christmas. Pray for them now. Pray for uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. Come on, that dream for them getting saved is not over yet. There's still hope. Jesus. Jesus, a few moments can change your lifetime, can change others' lives. New life, resurrection power right now in Jesus' name. If we have the Word of God, we can speak it as Jesus would. Jesus can speak His Word through our prayers right now, just like He did with Lazarus. Let God speak His Word through you. Now, with those things in mind, we're going to close in just a moment, but I'm teaching you how to pray, not only here, but every day of your life. Now, with your words, speak life to those things right now. If you've just accepted Jesus, speak life to yourself. Say, I'm a new creation. I'm born of God. I'm not who I used to be. If you've been praying for your marriage, speak to it right now. My marriage is new. If you've been praying for your children, my children will be new. Your job, my job will prosper. My education will succeed. Come on, speak to it right now. Speak life to it in the name of Jesus. There is life in this place through the Word of God. Jesus. Why do you think we say 100,000, 50 churches, 500 around the world every week? Because we're speaking God's Word that He said, If you ask of me the nations, I'll give them to you as an inheritance. Some of you are sick. Speak your healing. Take your medicine right now from the Holy Spirit and say, by His stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it. Every cell in my body come alive and line up in Jesus' name. Come on. Speak to your financial situation. I am blessed. I am highly favored. I am prosperous. I have more than enough. I'm blessed to be a blessing. When I give, it's given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men give back to me. Speak life. Speak life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we believe. We believe. We believe right now that you're more than able. Would you look up at the board with me in closing now? Here's just a final thought. Because of Jesus, dead things can have new beginnings. Because of Jesus, I believe I'm going to have a new beginning. I'm going to see my grandparents again. I'm going to see Pastor Sutherland again. I believe that we'll all have new beginnings, right? 
But not only that, you know what I believe? I believe we're going to have new beginnings this year in our lives. I had stepped away from my doctoral studies. Wrong school, wrong time. Some things got a little tough. Had to work out some stuff in my heart. I'm believing for 2017 for me to go back. I'm going to be releasing in 2017 a new book every single month. I already wrote it. Now I have to edit it. But it was laying dormant for almost three years. It's coming to life. And the new one, the first one of the, the, the year, it's already back there in green, the God kind of life, right? The very first thing is about life. What are you going to believe God for? Because Jesus ain't afraid of death. Jesus ain't scared when things die. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's a Holy Ghost setup for him to show his power. Amen? Let's hold each other's hands as family right now. We're going to pray for your travels on the way back home. We hope you have a great Christmas holiday season. Don't forget to come share it with us Wednesday with the children here at 630 and then Sunday, Christmas Day at 10. I'm going to ask that uh, Jerry would pray for us, please, and then you'll be dismissed and have a wonderful day. Thank you. person in this service, God, those who are dedicating their lives to you today for the first time, to the person who has been backslidden or compromised, God, that this will be the new year for them, God, to just follow in your ways, Lord, and for those who are strong or mature, God, that they would continue to grow in maturity this year, that they would study harder, pray harder, God, and work out all those areas in their life that they need to let go of, that the dead things would be that, dead things, and the new things would be that, new things, God, I pray for the spirit of peace, God, and I pray, God, that you would make each and every person bold, to, to preach your word, to follow after you, to tell others what you've done in their lives and that they can see life come to those who are dead and walking around this earth, God, because you are the one who changes us. We cannot change ourselves, Lord. And, and I pray that they would be encouraged by other believers this year as iron sharp as iron so does one man sharpen another god so i pray that we would get out of any complacency lord and that we would be passionate and radical and just living for you each and every day this year lord i pray god for people to let things go and just to let you god let go and let God. Lord Jesus, we love you. We pray for peace and safety this holiday season and to keep us all warm this holiday season. Yes. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say it's a new beginning. God bless you. You are dismissed. We're going to worship and pray. Come up. Otherwise, we'll see you later. Have a great day. I'm no longer a slave to fear. We're not a slave to fear. I am a child If you need prayer for anything, come on up. We'd love no to pray with you. Otherwise, be safe today. God bless you.